Charles Spurgeon. He was known as the Prince of Preachers. Spurgeon, he was a 19th century English preacher in London. And throughout his life, he estimated to preach around 3,600 sermons. His worship service, they drew thousands of people, tens of thousands of people. And one day, a group of young ministers came to visit his church. After showing, him the massive, after showing them the massive sanctuary, Spurgeon, he offered to show them his boiler room. The boiler room, that's a bit weird. The young preachers, they're not interested in the boiler room because it's not a pleasant place. It's hot, it's dirty, usually located down in the basement. However, we have to understand that in Spurgeon's time, the boiler room was a very important room. Steam was the main power source at the time. The boiler room was the driving force for everything in the building. So while boiler rooms were not the most glamorous, they were the most essential. So Spurgeon, he led the young ministers down to the basement. When he got there, they were shocked to find over hundreds of people scattered around the room in prayer. This is my boiler room, Spurgeon said. He said, if the engine room is out of action, then the whole mill, it will grind to a halt. We cannot expect blessings if we do not pray. When Spurgeon was asked the secret of his ministry, he replied, my people pray for me. The secret of Spurgeon's success was a basement filled with hundreds of people praying. Now, I don't think Spurgeon, he was showing off when he was showing off his boiler room. I actually believe he had the firm conviction that prayer was a success to his ministry. It was the foundation of all that he did. It was what made his gospel ministry successful. So along with prayer, today we will be looking at the necessary components for gospel ministry. What is required for a faithful and fruitful gospel ministry? are these three things. Gospel ministry requires the conviction that we need prayer, a clear conscience, and a love for people. And that's the main idea of today's message. If you're taking notes, it might be helpful for you to take, now, take note of this main idea. Let me repeat. Gospel ministry requires the conviction that we need prayer, a clear conscience for God, and a love for for people. I've broken down the passage into three sections. We have 18 verse A, the need for prayer, 18B, a clear conscience, and verse 19, a love for people. 18A, the need for prayer, 18B, a clear conscience, and 19, a love for people. So some youth, they sometimes ask me how they can grow in their faith, and I usually tell them that real growth comes from applying what we know in God's word. If we want to have a successful and fruitful gospel ministry here, we need to be applying the convictions that we have from God's word. Spiritual growth, it's not about how much information we acquire, but rather it's applying what we learn. These requirements, they're not complicated, but I encourage us all to consider whether we are living in a way that helps the spread of the gospel.
So we've, got, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, and we've learned that Hebrews is a sermon. In the first 12 chapters of Hebrews, the preacher has been expounding on the person and work of Jesus Christ. And now near the end of 12, near the end of chapter 12, he finishes his exposition with an exhortation not to reject Jesus. He encourages us to persevere in our faith. So the last part of his sermon, chapter 13, which is what we've been going through, are just some practical ways to live as part of our endurance as we wait for Christ's return. And it starts with the duties of love. That was a few weeks ago. And a couple of weeks ago, Elder Lutming, he helped us to consider how we can live in contentment, free from the love of money. And last week, Pastor Mark expanded on how we should always follow good leaders because they help us to follow Christ. And this week, it gets a bit more personal. The author, he redirects us to his own ministry and lays out his own convictions for gospel ministry. And these things are things that we can consider for ourselves as well. This week, we'll be considering what is required for gospel ministry. And the first requirement is the need for prayer. That's the first section of this message, the need for prayer. Today, we have a short passage, so let me read these two verses. If you can open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13, starting at verse 18, you can find them in the Pew Bibles on page 949. Let me read for us. Pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Verse 18, it begins with a request to pray for us. But who is this us that's mentioned? We don't know the exact author of the book of Hebrews. Some speculate it could be Paul. Others say it could be Apollos, or even one of the other apostles. And so because we don't know the exact author, it's hard to know the exact relationship that he has with the congregation. The author could be a traveling missionary who has some history with the church he's been writing to. The church may have been even the sending church of this missionary. Could be someone like David Chang for us. Or perhaps the author and those who are with him are part of a team of traveling missionaries. They go from town to town and support the different churches that they visit. In the context of the book of Hebrews, last week we discussed the leaders of the church, so the us here could just be referring to the leaders of the Hebrew church. We just talked about the importance of following good leaders, so it makes sense to pray for gospel leaders. But regardless of who is actually writing, they are working to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are in gospel ministry, and they are convinced that prayer is needed in their gospel ministry. Gospel ministry needs prayer. Why? Because gospel ministry is hard. Let me give two reasons why it is hard. One, because human hearts, they naturally oppose the gospel. Gospel work is hard and needs prayer 
because we are battling against hard hearts that oppose the gospel. Everyone in the world, they naturally hate God by nature. We are all born to be rebels of God. We're born to do the wrong things. Romans 3 tells us that no one is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one does good, not even one. This means that as hard as we do, as hard as we try to do the right thing, we're actually born with this natural inclination to oppose God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us that the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. And 2 Corinthians 2 tells us that the gospel is the stench of death. The gospel is naturally repulsive to everyone because of our rebellious hearts. Now, when I say the gospel here, I am talking about the fact that we are all like this. We have all rebelled against God. God is our creator, but we have all broken his good commands. We need a restored relationship with God. And this is something that only faith in Jesus can help us with. If we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus to take the punishment we deserve, God, he promises to forgive us of our sins. The good news of the gospel is that we can be restored to our creator, God. And we can do this if we put our faith in Jesus. Now that is good news, but the Bible tells us that we're blind to this. We naturally want to control our own lives, and we don't believe that what we're doing is actually wrong. The gospel is actually addressed to hard-hearted people. And the gospel is, inv- is an invitation to believe. If you've ever tried to evangelize and share the gospel with someone, you probably have experienced this firsthand. I once had a close friend in high school, and he had a lot of questions for me. So I'd do my best to answer his questions, but there would always be a follow-up question or a follow-up retort to my answers. It's not that my answers were insufficient, but it was more that my friend is unwilling to accept God regardless of how I answered him. His heart is opposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're battling against. So brothers and sisters, when you're trying to share the gospel, while it is good to persuade people with good arguments, Understand that there is an opposition to this message that isn't being ingrained into a person. That's why you need to pray. You need to pray for them. That's the first reason why gospel work is hard and needs prayer, because human hearts, they're naturally opposed to the gospel. Now, the second reason gospel work is hard is because only God himself can change hearts. Gospel work needs prayer because only God can change hearts. Those who work hard to preach and proclaim the gospel, these people are not the primary ones to work. It is something that only God himself can do. We need God to be the one to change hearts. At the heart of the gospel is the truth that only God and his Holy Spirit can truly convert someone. Heart transplanting Well, that's God's work, and God must be the one to do it. This is what Jesus teaches us in John 3. Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of Spirit is Spirit. The only way to be born again is by the Spirit. And so in order for the gospel to work in people's lives, we need the conviction that only God can change hearts. The only cure for all of our sinful, evil hearts is the power of the gospel. For us to have changed hearts, we need to repent and put our trust in Jesus. And when we do that, Jesus, he takes the punishment for our sins and he gives us a new heart, one that rejects sin and desires holy living and a godly life. So if you're here today, and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, the fact that only God can change hearts, it doesn't let you off the hook, though. You are responsible for your own actions. You're responsible for the sinful things you have done. You won't ever experience change from your sinful behavior unless you actually repent and believe in the gospel. Have you done this? If you haven't, I urge you to consider how you need the gospel in your life. You need it today. To my brothers and sisters here in Christ, you might be struggling with some old sinful habits. Or maybe you've been feeling that you've done, thought, or seen things that you're ashamed of. Perhaps you struggle with doubts about God. Just as God just as we needed God to change our hearts before we were Christians, we need God to continue to work in our hearts. We, need, we should be praying that God continues to change our hearts every day to be more and more like him. So these are the reasons why prayer is so important. We pray because we are utterly dependent on God. God alone is the one to work. Gospel ministry needs prayer because there is nothing that any of us can actually do to make anyone believe. God is the only one who can change hearts, who can change our hearts. So prayer is a key for any ministry. Therefore, it's the driving force behind what we do here at church. Now, John Piper, in his book on missions, he gives us a good way to think about prayer. This is what he says. We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. That is not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is a primary is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. So it is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to use it as a domestic intercom to call upstairs for comforts in the den. Piper would say the number one reason why prayer malfunctions is because Christians use it the wrong way. How often have we treated prayer just as a wish list? Praying that God will do these things for us, 
oh God, please help me find a car park today. Or, Lord, my throat is very sore and I got a runny nose. Please help it to go away. Oh God, if you can hold off the rain before I get home, I would be, much, I would be very grateful. Now, I'm not saying that these prayers are wrong necessarily, but they're just very small. When we pray like this, there's a great temptation to think of God as our personal butler or doctor or just a genie. I'm personally guilty of this as well, but this is not what our prayers should be focused on. Our prayers should be about the proclamation of the gospel. They should be about battling against unbelieving hearts. We should be praying for gospel ministry. Gospel work, it is war. It is a battle that occurs whenever we seek to preach the gospel. So we desperately need God to work. Gospel ministry, it needs your prayers. So what happens when we don't pray? Let me just go through three quick things about what happens when we don't pray. Well, first, when we don't pray, God doesn't use us. When we don't pray... I don't think it's fair to expect God to work through us or our situations. God, he's always working through the gospel, and he will work with or without us. But he graciously invites us to partner with him, especially through prayer. So when we don't pray, we don't get to experience the joy of being used by God. Secondly, when we don't pray, we don't grow in our faith or dependence on God. If we don't grow, then we drift away. Prayer, it helps us. It helps us in our walk with God and it orients us in a proper position towards God. Prayer in itself, it demonstrates that we are completely and utterly dependent on God. Prayer reminds us that we are helpless, we're needy. If we don't pray, we don't grow in spiritual dependence. And thirdly, when we don't pray, we become prideful and self-dependent. We start to believe that we can grow ministry in our own ways. And this will lead us down a path where we just, we stop believing in the gospel. And we slowly drift away from God and the gospel. So prayer, it is important. It is needed. Let me propose a few things that we can consider for our prayer life here at GBC. We should pray regularly and pray intentionally. We should be praying intentionally for the spread of the gospel. Set aside time every day. Make prayer and gospel work a part of your daily quiet time. Pray specifically for the spread of the gospel and those who labor in the gospel. Pray for your pastors here, the elders. Pray for those who are on staff. Pray for the missionaries that we send. Pray for those in church that you know are working hard to share the gospel with their family, their neighbors, or their friends. Pray for fruit. and Pray that God will change people's hearts. Pray for your own gospel ministry. Pray for opportunities that you can, that, to spread the gospel in your own life. 
If praying regularly by yourself can be a bit difficult, that's why we can pray with others. That's the second thing that we can consider. We can consider praying with fellow believers. Prayer can be hard, I know. So praying with others, it's a great way that we can be intentional with our prayers. When we pray, we can forget about gospel work, or we forget to pray about the right things. So it's always helpful to pray with others. The monthly prayer meeting is a great way to do this. That's next week. So make an effort to come to these prayer meetings. They're a great way that we can be praying for the gospel and for gospel workers. Prayer meetings, they may not be as fun as catching up over a meal, but they're definitely more edifying and enriching. So join us for the prayer meeting. Join us next week. Lastly, we can ask for prayer. Like the author, we all should be similarly asking for prayer from our brothers and sisters. We should request that God help us with our own personal evangelism. Every Christian needs prayer. None of us are so independent that we can do things in our own strength without God. When someone asks you how they can be praying for you, give them specific prayer requests. Allow them to pray for you on the spot there. Ask for prayer that you may honor God with your life. Ask others to pray that God can help you point your friends and your family towards him. If you struggle with your own personal evangelism, ask for prayer in that too. God will not leave these kinds of prayers unanswered. Your prayers, they're important. So please, keep praying for the spread of the gospel. Gospel ministry, it requires the conviction that we need prayer. And that's the first conviction mentioned in this passage. So prayer is important, but just as important is our conduct. So the second requirement the author mentions in this passage is a clear conscience. That's our next section, a clear conscience. So the second half of verse 18, the author tells us the second conviction that he thinks is required for gospel ministry, which is a clear conscience. Let me read. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. The author and his team, they have this conviction that they have a clear conscience. They desire to act honorably in everything that they do. In their ministry, they've always sought to do what is right according to their conscience. Our consciences, they show us what we should be doing according to God and God's word. That's what the point of the conscience is. The Puritans, they call the conscience God's deputy and vice region within us, God's spy in our bosom, God's servant, which he employs to arrest the sinner. These are attempts to understand what the conscience is from what the Bible tells us. And everyone has experience with their own conscience, don't we? Sometimes we might describe our conscience as a witness that declares facts to us or a mentor that advises us against evil. 
or a judge that perhaps assesses our actions. The conscience is something that God puts in a man, it puts in us, to remind us of his word. It reminds us of ways that we can be applying God's word in our lives. It shows us the moral and spiritual truths and our conscience, it compares us to our actions that we decide to do day to day. The idea of a clear conscience, it's come up previously in the, in the book of Hebrews. In chapter 9, the author told us that Jesus has cleansed us fully and given us a clean conscience. Christ cleanses our conscience because of the forgiveness that he offers us. However, there's a sense that the author is talking about gospel ministry here. And so it's not exactly the same clear conscience mentioned in chapter 9. The request for prayer and gospel work, well, it comes from this clear conscience. It means that they've been doing the right thing. They've been living a holy life that is pleasing to God. They have the right conduct, and they're doing what is right according to God's word. So to have a clear conscience means that we are similarly doing what God wants us to do. It means that we are doing what God desires for us in his word. The clear conscience that they claim indicates that they have acted and lived a life that God has wanted and they're conducting themselves honorably. Now, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily perfect, but it means that they work hard to be obedient. And this is an important part of gospel ministry. Christ, he's given us a clean conscience. He's washed us clean, but we need to take deliberate actions to make sure that we keep our conscience clean. It's a bit like being given a new computer. It's virus-free, it's got no malware, no viruses, nothing that prevents it from running well. But even though our new computers are clean, we need to keep it like that. We typically do our best to keep them clear from viruses, we put in antivirus softwares, and we work hard to make sure that we don't download any dodgy programs, and we definitely don't click that email that says we've won the lottery. Christ, he's given us this clean conscience, and we need to work hard to make sure that we live lives obedient, keeping our consciences clean. So what is your conscience telling you today? How have you acted in the past week? Would you say that you have obeyed God and have a clear conscience towards him and towards others? If we desire to do gospel ministry well, we need this clear conscience that comes from a heart that wants to obey God. Those who desire to do gospel ministry, we need to work hard to have this good conscience because we don't want anything that will hinder the spread of the gospel. The gospel, it's offensive enough. We don't want anything to add to the offensiveness of the gospel. People can be put off by Christianity because of the conduct of Christians. As Christians, we should work hard to make sure that nothing in our conduct hinders the spread of the gospel. A clear conscience in all things, it's a high calling but it's an important one. 
If we want to see growth and fruit in our gospel ministry, we should strive for a clear conscience. I pray that God will help us have the conviction to live a life that is obedient to God. I pray that God will help us to have this clear conscience and desire to act honorably in all things. It's an important requirement of gospel ministry. Finally, the last thing that is required for gospel ministry is a love for people. Verse 19 tells us, I urge you the more earnestly to do this that I may be restored to you sooner. Notice the author's love for his audience. What does the author desire most of all? He desires to be with the people that he writes to. The reason that prayer is requested is so that they can be reunited. If we want to see success in gospel ministry, we need to similarly have this deep and genuine love for people, especially for our church. The author demonstrates that for us here. There is a genuine love that the author has for his congregation, and it's evident by his desire to be restored to them sooner. This desire for restoration, it shows us the importance of face-to-face meetings. It's a bit like when you have a long-distance relationship. Tiff and I, we dated long-distance for about a year and a half. And I can tell you that even though we regularly kept in contact with one another through video calls, we longed for the times when we could be together in person. In an age where we are more connected to each other than ever before, there is nothing that can replace that face-to-face meeting. There is a special love expressed to one another by being together in person. The author of Hebrews knew it back then, and it's the same today. So if we want our gospel ministry to bear fruit, we need to demonstrate genuine love for people. Now, we don't desire to meet people face-to-face out of obligation, but because we have this deep affection for each other, we desire to be with those who we love. This is how our gospel ministry will bear fruit in our church. Just like the example set here in Hebrews, we should desire to have a love for people and be with them. What are our affections like here at GBC? Do we similarly look forward to being united with each other? Do we look forward to those times where we go down to level three and chat with each other? Look through the members directory this week and pray for the people that you see. Reach out to them with a personal message. Their emails, their numbers are there. Ask them how you can be caring and praying for them. Even better, you can find time to try and meet them for a meal or read the Bible with them. If we see someone missing from church, send them a message, give them a phone call, look for ways that you can be reunited with them. Our elders, I think they set a good example for us in this area. They have a genuine love for the members here at GBC. They all desire to fellowship with you. So please, if you're a member of GBC and you haven't connected with any of our elders, please reach out. Our elders, they would love to connect with you. They love and desire to care for you. 
I know this because they have loved and cared for me and my family. You can experience that love and care for yourself too. Reach out to your elders. I also want to encourage our elders and those aspiring to do gospel work here at GBC to have this love for people. It's a gospel requirement. 